that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. And welcome to another edition of the Race Out podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the lockdown towers of all our own home abodes, obviously, uh, joined by Dermot Nolan. Hi, Dino. How are you, man? Very well. Um, good to see the, the jumps racing was back with a bit of a bang uh, last weekend. And now we kind of got a break because a bit of flat rat action going on. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover all that. Paddy Aspel is also here. Paddy. How are you, lads? Doing well. Doing well, ready to uh, to kind of dissect a little bit in the in the traditional fashion of the the race hour podcast. Now that we've get into the swing of it, we can have a look at a little weekend and weekly review. Uh, we might also cover off a, a couple of you know retirement announcements. One of the equine nature in Enable, and uh, one in the human nature of John Ox, a bit of a legend of the game. So we'll also talk about that, um, and then. Uh, to continue our kind of Cheltenham-esque theme, we will talk about senior chasers um, and co- obviously cover the, the likes of the champion chase, the Ryanair, the Gold Cup picture as we move into uh, the season proper. And we'll have a quick look and see whether anyone has any long-term fancy for those. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> my phone, boys. And then um, <laughs> once we scan through that stuff, I hope it was someone giving you some some late information, Paddy. That'd be cool. Um, and then, so once we scan through that stuff, we will take a look at the weekend action, which is dominated, of course, by soft ground uh, horses over the top on the flat. It's uh, Champions Day, of course. So we'll, we'll, we'll try and find something for that. I actually think, lads, I have something uh, on that card which uh, might surprise you later on. So that'll be quite good. All right, let's kick on then. Uh, let's talk about the weekend. Um, I might come to you first. At Chepstow, the ground was a little bit drier than I think the entries had hoped for. So we lost a few of our interesting horses that we thought might run. Um, you know, likes of Fiddler on the Roof will find another day to go. Fuso Raffles, not Chapari, horses like that. They just thought they'd find better opportunities once the rain kicks in. That was a bit of a disappointment because, you know, we were looking forward to a bit of a stellar card. Uh, a couple of horses that obviously didn't do anything wrong. Secret Investor won for us. I know me, myself and you were, were pretty keen on this horse there. He followed up that promise he'd shown behind Native River at the back end of last season with a pretty dominant display. Yeah, and it was a perfect ride actually from... Um... Harry Cobden, Dean, you know, as in like, mm. if you have a chaser who kind of jumps like that and travels like that, because this horse did jump to his right a bit as well at times. So the performance that he actually put up on the day was was actually quite impressive, really, considering like just how vehemently to the right that he was jumping at times. It was just very, very strong altogether. But he just, he too much in the bank for them late on. And he's a horse that he could just do what Paul Nichols does with all these horses always. And you could just start picking up a few kind of, you know, uh, grey trees and kind of uh, higher up chases because that could be him done in, in handicaps to a certain degree. But he wouldn't be kind of a surprising horse if he was to pop up in place and in the likes of a Hennessy or something as well, like as in that race tends to cut up an awful lot. So he's a very, very likeable horse and, and Paul Nichols just had an amazing weekend. But the one that kind of really caught my attention was um, Hell Red, his juvenile. Now, look, we haven't seen anything like the juveniles that will be out this season, but it was mm. still for me, it was a, uh, quite impressive performance and he's the kind of horse now going forward hell red who will be interesting when um all the the better juveniles start to come out in 
Yeah, the first one to kind of set a bar in the sky, Hell Red, uh, one that is a, as a two to one on shot should probably win in that juvenile hurdle. Paddy Demmer mentioned it there. Paul Nichols just, um, whatever he's running is running very well and, and going, you know, going pretty much first past the post. He's had some, uh, opening weekend there at Chepstow, didn't he? Yeah, the strike rate at the minute. I mean, there was for a couple of days there, he was operating in nearly a 50% strike yeah. rate. Um, incredible, to be honest. I mean, it was disappointing, obviously, that we did have plenty of nuns, but I don't think there was too much uproar about the ground. I think, you know, Connections just thought it was probably for the first run, just dry enough for, for certain horses, but I think it was just safe jumping ground, but um, luckily we did get to see some nice performances. But that race in particular that Hell Red won, I mean, Paul Nichols has had a real monopoly in this race, over mm. the years, I think I counted seven times he's won it sort of in the last 10 or 12 years. So he does like to aim a good one at it. And he certainly didn't miss it this year, did he? No, he didn't. And he didn't miss with much, to be honest. Uh, the ones he pulled out, um, you'd imagine he's got the eyes on something else. And the ones he left in were still winning, like the likes of Grand Sansi. Um, of course, going in under and the Harry Cobden in what looked a real promising dumb raven. Um, Chase there, the Robert Mocha Memorial ended up being a smaller field than we'd all hoped because no fools or raffles and fiddle on the roof. But Grand Sansi went and did it at five to four. I mean, it wouldn't have been anything like that price, of course, if the others had run. Um, do you think there was, Paddy, a little bit of over-exuberance from the yards? They've had their horses back in for a long time. And I think they all got an extended break, didn't they? And it's kind of like, oh, look, we can run them in these races, run them in these races. And I just think we might get a bit of entry over-exuberance in the first few weeks and they, they kind of changed their mind. I mean, Paul Nichols has taken advantage. What do you think of Grand Sansi? He hasn't got had to go and beat maybe, you know, the two big guns that weren't there, but it was decent. Yeah, and I mean, the thing, probably the most important thing about this race is you could see that the skeleton horse, as soon as he jumped the first fence, was beat. But, yeah. you know, that yeah. wasn't Grand Sansi's fault. Um, I mean, he was absolutely mustered the whole way around. And although, like you say, he only had two rivals to beat, he's absolutely smashed him and uh, he looked... Just like you say, a horse who was really enjoying himself and absolutely bolted up, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did indeed. He did it very well. And uh, in what was apparently a decent enough time as well. Um, what did we make of the silver trophy, Derma? I guess T-Clipper, you know, the, the Lacey Yard, um, a cracking time of day for them, like the way that they place their horses and, and do very well. And Johnny Burke as well, getting the ride on T-Clipper. He went off favourite. And again, you know, we had a race that was, uh, I would say, before the off anyway dominated by the non-runners but T-Clipper was reasonably fancy before it and uh, and went off favourite and, and picked up a really nice prize for them uh, yeah Dean so like like all, all we had to do really was um, all T-Clipper had to do in the end was just kind of stay on like he did I mean he was he was he was very good I, I mean the race cut up very very badly but still he had to go and win it the Lacey Yard really fancied him he was punted in all day and it was just a really really smart performance um, he got away now because he did get in very very kindly there but still an absolutely fine ride from Johnny Burke as well flashed the steel in second so there was the right horses there in one and two <laughs> and your horse uh, Sir Psycho he's, he's just not really kind of seeing out his races at the moment but bottom of him he could well end up uh, keep slipping down the handicap and there will be a race in him because he was one I thought that was actually uh, actually traveling quite well and he just kind of lost himself really about two out when he was kind of headed and uh, he's a very young horse at four is Sir Psycho so see Clipper won but what we learned for the rest of the season Dean, I'm just not so sure 
Yeah, it was like a case of opportunity knocks and opportunity taken by uh, the Lacey Yawati Clipper. So you mentioned the psycho when they when they went to the it was the second last and just kind of edged into the lead and put in a really good jump. I, I'm not sure whether taking out the last and having to go around really helped. I, mean, I don't think Sasaiko was going to win, but um, taking out the last flight maybe didn't quite help that one. Um, what did you make a tea clipper, Paddy? Yeah, no, very, very good effort, um, to be honest. And like you mentioned, you know, the times, although they were only giving it as good ground, the times all day and the handicaps were well mm. under, you know, apart from obviously the bumpers only, only they had plenty of non-runners in both divisions. So they were a mm. bit slower, but all the handicaps were very, very good. And I mean, T Clipper, a lovely race and weighed 10, 13. And, you know, you've got to remember, he's only five-year-old, this horse. Um, but I'd say Tom Lacey thinks the absolute world of him and, you know, he beat last year's winner in Flash to Steel. And I mean, I think sir, as far as Sir Psycho goes, I mean, he bombed out a bit in, in this at this meeting as well last year. Mm. And after that, his season took an upturn. So probably just hang fire with him for the minute and probably wouldn't be desperately disappointed with him. No, I, th- I think that I think there's more to be done there. And as Demo said, you know, I'm sure Paul... Nichols will will get the best out of Sasaiko in time. It's a young horse with was maybe slightly overfaced a little bit before they wanted to in the in the triumph and may well have done better in another latter festival after that. And obviously no one got the chance. So um a horse maybe to to keep in mind because like I said, the second last looked like Sasaiko might come through and pick them all up and just didn't see it out. Uh, there was a decent um, beginner's chase at Fairy House on the car. I just wanted to give a quick mention to Jeremy's Flame was the one I was really looking forward to for Gravin Cromwell, and that race did not last very long uh, for Jeremy's Flame and Keith Donahue. Heaven help us getting the win with uh, Surin in there. That, you know, that wouldn't be the worst... Um, the worst beginner's chase to go around Fairy House for for a while. I think they might; those two might be okay. Of course, heaven help us when and won some of the uh, decent races for for good connections. Uh, what about the Dewhurst, Paddy? I come to you on that one because um, a little bit unsatisfactory in the end. I thought the result. I thought Wembley might be the the better of the the front two, although didn't get the job done in that group one. So Mark's Basilica winning the race. Yeah, he did, and showed a real good attitude to be honest I mean went off 10 to 1 in the end there was I mean yeah. a bit of, there was a bit of money around from right before the off um, but in fairness I did think for a few strides like Wembley might run him down but you know once he got to his girts he was he was he was holding him late on um, there was some disappointing performances in the end I thought maybe chinned it never really picked up on the ground it's certainly the softest ground he'll have ever encountered but there's no doubt there was one or two letdowns in behind. I mean, Thunder Moon, I think, has turned up and run his race, but probably just on top of the line, got a little bit tired as well. But um, no, it was it was an um, O'Brien 1-2-3 in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, tough enough ask for them, though, on that soft ground seven furlongs this stage of the season, Dermo, maybe. Um, you know, the, the Dewhurst obviously fires up uh, expectations for next season. I, I'd take Wembley forward and, and maybe I wouldn't give up on Thunder Moon just yet. And Chindit was a disappointment. No, no, no. I, I mean, it's very hard now with the two-year-olds because, you know, like a few horses will come out as three-year-olds fresh and uh, and they won't be worth uh, riding off, obviously, as well. But Chindit mm. ran well. A um, few criticisms about the place for Pat Dobbs, but I, I just thought the exact same as Paddy asked, but I just thought that the horse didn't pick up uh, maybe an unsatisfactory kind of race in the end from that point of view. But look, the O'Brien horses, as they seem to always be, when the when the big day comes, they they kind of tend to step forward, don't they? Yeah, and he's got so many of them, so maybe he doesn't know which one. 
Frankie's going to do it, um, as we saw with some Marks Basilica. And Frankie the Tory, of course. Uh, what about the Cesarovich there on that card demo? Uh, Willie Mullins uh, may as well sponsor the race these days. He's unbelievable, isn't he? It's just uh, absolutely frightening how he targets these horses and they just get better as the year goes on because Grey White Shark had, didn't shape that brilliantly at Galway and you just kind of weren't sure. But obviously Galway just kind of wasn't the plan this time around this was and he's just an amazing trainer at delivering these horses completely ready to go I mean him and Aidan O'Brien in their two respective disciplines are just they're just miles clear of everyone else really in that regard and uh, just just for when Willie actually gets into the groove of winning a race you know like the uh, Thaisi's chase or whatever else he just seems to know what type he has in the yard he seems to know exactly what horse will he target for that race. And I mean, to win that handicap three years in a row, I mean, that's an amazing feat. Yeah, yeah, he's something else. And Great White Shark was an unmissed either 92 favourite in a field of that nature, 34 runners and just doing the job under Jason Watson. Fair play to Jason Watson as well. Thought it was a solid ride to come uh, late and fast on the Shark. That was nice. Uh, Paddy, I wanted to ask you about the Sprint Trophy at York. Uh, Gulliver landing it there on the Martin Harley for David O'Mara uh, with Tronchi, the favourite, back in second in that race. Um, there's been talk afterwards that there might be some kind of court case taken by the connections of Tronchi for the... the the, the whip use by Martin Harley. Now, he gets a ban for it, but of course the horse isn't penalised for that and they're calling it performance enhancing um, and that seems to be the angle they're going to take with uh, with some kind of legal challenge. Now, I'm not sure it's going to make any difference to this result and that's probably not why they're doing it. It's almost like to see whether we need to do have some kind of penalty on a winning horse where a jockey abuses the whip rules. This has come up many, many times. Um, you, you've ridden in races, I'm sure, where it's happened, Paddy. Maybe you've even been, been the man with, with one too many strikes. It's not it's not easy for a jockey to do in that kind of situation. It's such a hot pot to, to go and win. Your horse has a chance and you're trying to get it across the line, but the horse doesn't get penalised. You know, I thought the owner of, of Tranchi made some very, very solid points, and I don't mm. think he's wrong. But mm. in this particular case... I mean, Gulliver won by two and a quarter lengths. Yeah. So I can't really, and, you know, he was getting 10 pounds from Gulliver. So in this particular case, if he went to take it further, I would don't think he would have a leg to stand on as far as actually getting the race. But he made some very, sure. very, made some very, very valid points. Now, I, I, I've been beaten um, by jockeys who, in tight finishes, who have gone over, some of them more mm. than others. And... You know, obviously, I've I've had whip bands myself. I think maybe if they were going to bring in a rule like that, you've got it. It's like um interference in a photo, isn't it? It's got to be a minimum sort of distance to enhance your chance of the result being turned round. Now, mm. I just found it strange that Martin used a stick as much as he did, considering you know in a sprint to win by two and a quarter lengths. You know that that's that's a fair distance. Um, yeah, but you know, and, and I was surprised at, at how much he used the whip on the day. Um, but you know, we don't know. We're not sat in the horse's back, so it's only Martin Hardy can answer that. But no, I I thought it was a very interesting read, and you know, he wasn't being hot headed, the owner, and you know, not not so much being a sore loser. I did think he made some very valid points, but I thought I think you know, if if you're beaten, sort of, you know, a neck or half a length, um, and especially in a race maybe where you're off levels. I, I think you'd have a cracking case if, if the jockey has gone well over because, you know, he, he like I say, he's, he's got a point. 
Like if they did just decide, let's say at a certain level of racing, and maybe it's not going to apply to handicaps because you made a good point there, Paddy. But if they decided that these these level stakes and listed and group class and you know let's say grade grade races in um, over jumps, that you know if a jockey does go over and wins, you get demoted one position, then jockeys are never going to go over, are they? No, unless absolutely intentional for correction of a horse. It's probably only it's one of the the biggest things that is going to crack down on it because, you know, if that's the only choice that you've got, rather than oh well, look, I can I can take a few days or I can take a few quid because mm. you'll you'll write a nice winner here on a Saturday or whatever. You're going to do it. You're going to over, yeah. overstep the line if you know that go when you go in the steward room. The only thing you're going to get is a banner of fine, you're in no danger of losing the race. So if, you know, like the saying goes, if if, if, if you can, you will. Yeah, I, I think a change is going to come. I think, like you say, the owner did it in a, in a sensible way in terms of I'm not, you know, complaining necessarily about the result, complaining about the rule in general. Um, and I think that there could be a change um, afoot at some point for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, okay, that's interesting enough. I wanted to talk to uh, Dermo about that Monster National. Um, aforementioned coming through and uh, winning the race under um, Gavin Brudio, of course, uh, for Gordon Elliott, another big pot for him. Um, Walkaway was our big kind of fancy, maybe a little bit too soon in his career to be taking on this kind of test and uh, eventually the jumping came unstuck. Yeah, he was kind of at the back. Uh, Sean Flanagan was really at pains to to kind of settle him, and I thought he did settle. It, it was just <clears throat> you could see his fall coming, couldn't you? Um, a few fences before it did. He, he was just getting lower and lower at them. Uh, mm. I've no doubt from the stable that he is from that his jumping will improve, but just for the moment was disappointed because again he was backed unbelievably well. I mean, he was seven to one when the podcast went out, and he was he was such an three to one before the off. I mean, he went off That's right. with seven to two. So there is a serious horse there. He is going to win a decent race like this. It's just a case of he needs the experience and um, possibly hitting the deck like that might give him a bit more respect because he's, he, he was fine afterwards by, by all accounts. So, but aforementioned, he did it very, very well in the end. I mean, Gavin Bruder gave it a, a seriously, cool ride and Gordon Elliott who's kind of stuck for jockeys at the moment with uh, Jack Kennedy and Davy Russell injured there is there is seven of them knocking about because even today now you see in the uh, in the Daily Star chase you know he's got Brian Cooper on Alfred's old bow so there's mm-hmm. uh, there's still plenty of jockeys knocking around the Gordon Elliott yard despite the fact that they're uh, they seem to be falling like flies at the moment I'd say Gordon's getting a few texts. Don't forget me. Don't forget me because, you know, he's, he's a lot of horses to run. And, and poor Davey, um, Davey looks like he'd be out for a while. Jack's injury looks like a collarbone one. He'll be out for a little while as well. So likes of Keith Donahue, Gavin. I think Dennis O'Regan pick up a few rides for him as well. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be busy trying to work out their, their jockey bookings. Um, Paddy, you gave the, the front two in that race a decent enough mention as well with aforementioned and, and Portmore Lock. Uh, another big pot for Gordon anyway. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, the aforementioned, he was a course winner in the past. And obviously, plenty of these horses in this race had very, very little weight. But, you know, with Gavin's flame off, nine stone five. I mean, and this was a real, real attritional race because you could mm. see the way I think there was a false start. And you could tell by the way the lads were jigging around down at the start that there was going to be plenty of early pace on here. And I thought Russell was very unlucky, wasn't he? Because... You know, there was a right old dash to the first. His horse had a, had a pair of blinkers on and he looked left 
going to the wings of the fence. Then he's come back right again. He's jumped right in midair. I mean, he never actually touched the fence, but he's jumped right in midair, and then he, he's got a right old bump. And to be fair, you could see Davy that he just landed straight on his head, and straight away you were you were worried because he isn't a fella to to stay down. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate because both him. And Jack Kennedy aren't long back, and you know Jack at yeah. least had had the time to bang in a few winners before he got injured again. Whereas you know Russell is is only just returned, and he he'd only had a winner or two, and and now he's going to be off again. So uh, unfortunate for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know when these lads get injuries, the horses they have to look forward to to come back to, um, will give them all the impetus they need to to go through it again. But I mean, it must be hugely frustrating to continually, like Jack has, um have these injuries crop up in uh, in in the seasons and as they come at him um with uh, Newton Abbott I wanted to mention one horse on the on the Sunday that ran there that Al Dancer who won for uh, the Twiston Davis camp Sam and, and Nigel um thought it was I thought it was very good actually putting away master Tommy Tucker who went off favorite in that intermediate chase definitely keep an eye on Al Dancer over this extended he needs to he needs to run over further than two miles and they went for two mile just two mile five that day I thought that was decent enough and uh Damo we thought it might be a bit of fun watching Stormy Island switch stables and have a crack at novice chase in the UK uh, it was but uh, Stormy Island got beat by El Dorado Alan yeah it's actually going to be it's going to be very interesting this season now to see how Paul Nichols does with these uh, William Mullins horses because, you know, we saw a panic attack as well at the weekend. All these horses leaving William Mullins' yard, they kind of don't tend to have an awful lot left in them because of, sure. of improvement anyway because, he's, you know, he, he is just such a masterful trainer. But Paul Nichols will, he'll take a small while to kind of figure out this horse, but he definitely will. She's a she's a brilliant horse. I mean, she was um, she was chasing home the likes of... Uh, Benny Dadu and Espor Dallin not so long ago, so there's a, definitely more in her. Uh, she will have needed that. She, she'll improve rapidly, but just kind of how far up the pecking order she actually goes, that kind of remains to be seen. But Eldorado Allen was uh, was very good, the Tizard Yard, and that was the first win for actually for Robbie Power as well since he moved across. And back in third that day as well was a Stolen Silver, who was a horse that I quite liked last season. So that mm. wasn't that bad a novice chase by any means at all. Um, Stormy Ireland's jumping right as well definitely wouldn't have helped because she was very very free so she'll improve tons for that and uh, that might be a race that we might look back on later on the season and say you know what that actually wasn't that bad because even Zanza back there in fourth isn't a bad horse by any means so they might mm-hmm. be just a few horses to kind of to attract through yeah, yeah, I thought it was a decent enough race. I, thought, I actually thought that card uh, was pretty good with uh, like the likes of Derasha Counter placing in handicap hurdle. That one will go be back over fences soon. Jersey Bean and stuff like that. I thought it was an all right card, actually, uh, for the Newton Abbott races. Um, okay, anything else you want to pick out over the weekend? I mean, the, the, the stories that we probably need to touch on are the retirement of uh, Enable and, and, of course, in a human form, uh, and the master trainer that, that is John Ox. Um, but were there any other horses? Uh, I thought yesterday uh, Keith Dunhu rode Barbara Star and I thought uh, jumped very, very sticky to begin with and Keith kind of buried him away. Uh, but he came through late on like the absolute class horse that he is. He was quite clever when he was making mistakes as well, I thought, the horse, and that he just kept kind of, uh, he was correcting himself over them. I thought that if Darvish Star can get a bit more of a natural technique going, which he definitely can because that was a 
his first time chasing. He's eight years old now, so he doesn't have much time to be uh, making into a decent chaser. But he that was a lovely start. Uh, he finished the race really strongly. And if that horse can kind of just uh, get his feet together and be a bit quicker through the air, I think there's a very good horse there. Yeah, Paddy, what did you make of Darvistar? For me, it might only be me because I've never seen Darvistar totally in the flesh and had a good look, but not the most scopiest. And eight years old going chasing. Um, yeah, I guess they decided they're not going to have another tilt or any champion hurdles or anything else. Clearly, they have decided that. Um, as a as a scopy individual, doesn't strite me as a chaser. I thought he was he, he, he was adequate, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, they were well strung out. We had a tearaway leader on the front end. and um, you know, So at least he had something to aim at um, but he was never really under maximum pressure so you know he was always in Keith Donahue's hands and I don't think he'd done an awful lot wrong but you know how how much was the gun put to his head that's probably mm. the biggest question but look you know it, it was one box ticked he, he got from A to B and couldn't really fault him that much but um, you know there, there's going to be a much bigger test to come so we probably didn't find out an awful lot more only that you know he's alive and well really. Yeah, well, the engine and the, the class there, I mean, the improvement shown last season is unbelievable. If you start looking at the start of the season to where it ended up, a uh, different horse by the end of it. So fair play and uh, good for, for Keith and Gavin Cromwell, who seem to have a, a nice uh, association going at the minute. Let's talk about John Ox, Paddy. Um, the horses that have obviously gone through those hands and they came at reasonable intervals as well. Likes of Ridgewood Pearl, that filly that I think won four group races in different continents in around 1995. Then Sindar, of course, won Irish Derby, English Derby and, and and at Lark and then, and then see the stars who you know is among the the pantheon of great horses. I mean, he, he had a fantastic training career, and it's now time, I guess, with other stables dominating, um, you know, the young crops of horses and stuff. He doesn't have enough really to to keep it ticking over for for any longer. Yeah, no, but sad news. Without it being an absolute, you know, shock, but still, he's a kind of fella, you know, always very softly spoken, and you know, I think people generally come back with the same sort of quotes and opinions about John Ox that, you know, he was a very, very helpful man, very kind man. And, um, yeah, it was a pity to see that the, his numbers dropped off. And I think there's obviously been plenty of, of murmurings about how he was treated by, you know, the See the Stars connection, considering how well he handled the horse, really. I'm not mm. sure if there was a whole lot of loyalty shown. And I think since that owner sort of um, went out of the yard, things, you know, numbers certainly started to dwindle. But, I mean, I was looking on Wikipedia this morning, about, like down through his numbers and his stats and some lovely old names there. Like you said, Ridgewood Pearl, I mean, took them all over really, you know, the States, Germany, France. Yeah. And, you know, there's loads, Timurida, Sindar, you know, some massive names in there, Asamore, just incredible really. But, you know, he always just appeared to be such a level guy, you know, never too excited, but never seen him give out about stuff or, or get too down in the mouth. And, you know, just a very, very, you know, all-round good guy. And, you know, the, you just sort of show, seen the other day that the one thing he wanted to mention was he wants to make sure that all his current staff, you know, find employment elsewhere now that he won't be renewing his license. It just sort of probably shows the measure of the man. And, you know, he'll he'll certainly be sadly missed, won't he? Yeah, definitely. I, there isn't anyone, I'm sure, who would have a bad word to say about him. He always come across to me as a as a, a, a sweet-natured headmaster who just looked after his uh, people around him and, and the horses in his care. I mean, to keep see the stars at the level that he managed to do for so long, Sindar, an, another horse that you know, certainly punctuated 
my yeah, I would say my early years of, of 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 loving flat racing when Johnny Murta and him were t- putting up to everybody and Sindar was a was a brilliant winner of a, of an Epsom Derby that was one of my favourite races. Um, Dermo John Ox, um, the latter years have been quiet. Very very quiet, Dean. Yeah, and look, I agree with Paddy. I mean, loyalty can be something that is fleeting in racing an awful lot of the time. I mean, when you compare that with uh, with Prince of Dole with uh, Henry Cecil, you know, I mean, Henry Cecil was was very quiet for years and he didn't desert him and I just thought it was very very quick that kind of John Ox lost lost those owners he lost Aga Khan as well and it just kind of very 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 quickly went downhill after that I mean it was extraordinary really um, and he just never seemed to kind of get that horse through that was going to bring him back to the big time he's jumping out now but just kind of one of the biggest compliments that you can see like I didn't hear one person uh, it, it doesn't tend to happen with retirements anyway but just how effusive everybody was who dealt mm. with him. I mean I mean Johnny Murta was explaining that he was kind of like a father figure to him even with his training career and John Ox he's just a, a consummate class act and was it fell apart late on a, a few bad years definitely does not tarnish what was a spectacular career and a real kind of trailblazing Irish career and that I mean to be that aggressive with Sea the Stars in his three-year-old season um, doesn't kind of happen the way it did, you know. He went, he kind of went to every party that season, and to keep a horse like that as good as he was, I, I mean, I, I still maintain that Franklin or no Franklin, see the stars is the best race horse we've uh, we've ever seen. But uh, mm. to keep that horse on the go that season like that, and to keep the horse really wanting more all season, yes, you get a special horse, but keeping these special horses going like that is uh, a real feat in itself. And John Ox, uh, he did everything, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And some people were, you know, maybe not too familiar with John Ox pre Sea the Stars would say, you know, it's a bit of a fluke. He just had a wonderful horse and anyone could have trained it to do it. But people forget Sindar and Ridgewood Pearl. I mean, he did it with other horses as well. He was just a masterful trainer and, and will be a big miss uh, in the sport going forward. Uh, what about um, Enable? I see, you know, that Twitter is probably not the uh, the best uh, resource to, to gauge opinion, although there's lots of them on there. Um, some people saying Enable, uh, not a great. Uh, I don't think you can say that with the career that she had, and sadly we we won't see her again, Zama. Yeah, no, and that was very sad. Like um, the the owners have to be commended for just how brilliantly sporting they've been. I mean, to to keep a horse in training this long when how valuable a broodmare she will be is uh, is quite incredible. It just doesn't happen enough these days, really. That they really wanted that that uh, that extra arc again, and they they really. Mm-hmm kept going for it the, the magic was kind of slipping this season you could see it even in that uh, September stakes win she was she was good without being absolutely breathtaking but just a superb horse John Gosden as well he's another orator who you could listen to all day long I mean he's just an absolute class act and um, for him to have that horse and kind of Frankie involved as well it, it, it was a real stellar cast you'd, you'd nobody there really that was lacking for any sort of uh, charisma or somebody that you didn't want to listen to they were everybody involved was just really really superb and you can only be excited when you get great racehorses she was an absolutely brilliant brilliant horse and I've no interest in getting into a debate with a horse like her as to whether she was better than horse x or horse y she made an awful lot of people very happy throughout her career she she won the vast majority of her races and if that's all that she's remembered for well then that's that's not a bad thing to be remembered for either is it 
No, totally agree. Um, Paddy, uh, part of the, the kind of Frankie renaissance over the last uh, seven or eight years, and, and latterly, Enable really punctuated that renaissance, hasn't she? And uh, and Frankie, and I think Frankie said he shed a little tear when he got the news as well. Yeah, massively. I mean, God, she earned, you know, near on £11 million in prize money and um, just an incredible record. I mean, she was, you know, she was only beaten. Um, I mean, altogether, she was beaten four times, but, you know, she was only out of the, out of the three on one occasion. You know, her record was incredible, really, and um, hats off the connections to keep her going as long as they did. And, I mean, you could probably even say in the last two arcs, you know, things got going a bit too early last year, whereas this year they went steady and it was probably not a satisfactory tactical sort of race so you know that she wasn't disgraced in either but i was glad they sort of just sort of uh drew stubs her and, and and finished up because she's got nothing to prove um you know by going back to ascot that's where she's she's conquered all before the last few years so i say there was no real more um mm. you know records to put straight so i think connections have done the right thing and uh, she'll be she'll be massively missed because she was you know a borderline a household name of late wouldn't she Oh, very much so, and a feature of the flat season for a good few years in a row, where we'd all we'd all be talking about Enable every time. Um, I guess there was one option to maybe go and have a crack at the states, but like they don't need to do that, do they, with her career that she's had? Okay, well, we're going to take a break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to look at some of the senior chasing division for the jump season ahead, and we will have a look at the weekend racing, uh, like I say, flat rat action. <laughs> I'm gonna stop calling it that <laughs> for Champions Day. Okay, we'll take a break here on the race hour. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news, and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, uh, Dermot Nolan and Paddy Aspel. Um, now, we're going to have a look at the senior chase division for the jump season ahead. Last week, uh, we covered off some of the, well, very exciting novice chasers. Um, this, this is a path a little bit more well-known, I guess, at this point, because we can start with the, with the Gold Cup. We've had a dual winner in, in album photo. Uh, Santini will be back for another crack, that kind of stuff. Champ is obviously going to step up from uh, the novice division after, well, what was a breathtaking uh, late rally to, to land an RSA. Minella Indo, one of the uh, the poor horses to see Champ come through in the in the rearview mirror and go past. And then you've got the likes of, I, I guess, the resurgent lost in translation this season. Top of the game, he missed the season. Delta Work, who did it in Ireland but didn't do it again on the Cheltenham stage. Uh, Sam Crow, who was a redemptive winner at the Cheltenham Festival. And then there's all sorts in behind. If you still um, hanker for the likes of a presenting Percy um, or, you know, horses like that, or a Clanders Oboe, maybe this year's this year at <laughs> Cheltenham Demo, you can go first with these these absolute stellar chasers that we have. Um, I, I guess, I don't think we're really set for a changing of the guard. It does look like last year's Gold Cup horses are this year's Gold Cup horses still. They are definitely. I mean, Album Photo is he's just something special and I think we all got weighed down last year by the fact that you know horses don't come back and win a second gold cup in a long long time and he kind of got bowed into that but look Willie Mullins has plowed a furrow for him where he'll he'll turn up at Tremor he'll win that chase and then he'll go 
he'll go straight to Cheltenham and he'll do that again because there's absolutely no reason to change that. Um, Santini is kind of more interesting because I love Santini, as our listeners know. I, I just think he's, he's a very good horse, but he needs to win a big race this season, really. Um, you know, his, his biggest win now is a three-mile um, hurdle at the Aintree Festival, and he's he's a much better horse than just having that on his CV. I know he won the um, the Presbury Cup at, uh, at Cheltenham last season, but he's, he's a horse that kind of should be winning a very, very big race and he's a hard horse to place because he can't run in the um in the King George because he, he'd be taken off his feet and kind of travelling over to Ireland for, for the uh, Leprestown chase whilst he should do it it's kind of you know you could leave a lot after him because he does seem a delicate sort so those those front two in the market for how actual little racing they've kind of had are definitely still there to the fore um, Champ, a horse who I was much maligned last season by myself. I, I just, I'm still not convinced by his jumping at all, at all. But God, the way he finished, he he's born for a Gold Cup. But I don't think there's going to be a major changing of the guard. But you still have the likes of top of the game to come back in as well. But Manella Indo, I still think last season that that RSA got away from him. If he jumps that last fence right, I think he's just a bit too far clear to be caught by Champ. I think him and Alaho really softened each other up uh, for four-fifths of that race, Dean. He was the winner, and then he got caught after the last. And I think had that race been kind of run again, I'm not sure Rachel Blackmore and Paul Townend would have killed each other quite like they did. But for most of the race, it looked like the perfect tactic. Manel um, Endo kind of ran on again. I think he's really is a pure Gold Cup horse. And more importantly, with Manila Indo is he has now produced his best performance in two seasons at the Cheltenham Festival. That's a big, yeah. big thing for a horse. He, he did nothing really until he won the Albert Bartlett and then last season as well. So he's a horse again who I think just like Alvin Foto and just like Santini, he's going to be given a kind of a, a slow enough year before that Gold Cup because they've all figured out how tough it is to win one. And I just think about 14 to 1 about Indo. That's, that's the one I've backed. But it just looks a cracking Gold Cup. But we're kind of full of trepidation, Dean, aren't we, to get too excited about these Gold Cups because uh, how many times have they fallen apart before us? Yeah, I mean, this this looks like, you know, like you say, we say this every year, looks like it's going to be a great Gold Cup. And, and actually, it actually does look like that. I mean, for Album to go be going back for for another one, fingers crossed they, they do follow that similar route and everything goes to plan and Santini's only going to be bigger and stronger this year in my view um, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't put off anyone who thinks Santini can go back and be better and we have a couple of interesting ones who who missed the party last year um, we're going to see the lights of a top of the game um, in the Labrook the old Hennessy of course and that's only coming up in what five or six weeks or so um, uh, you know he could he could step right into the mix and, and lost in translation um before the Gold Cup and then and then falling away and then after the Gold Cup I think everyone was interested to see what Lost in Translation would do for the rest of the season uh, Paddy a stellar Gold Cup year it would be fascinating um, to see Al Boom Santini Champ Milo Indo Lost in Translation top of the game all take each other on uh, at this point fitness likely that'll happen Yeah the Gold Cup I think is going to have a pretty similar appearance this year as to what it did last year and I would echo obviously both me and Dermo are big Santini fans and I mean that was a massive run in the Gold Cup last year uh, I mean it was a very very close finish in the end only went down by a neck 
um, in the first time cheap pieces, loss in translation wasn't far behind either in the first time tongue tie. I thought Monali on the day sort of done what he has done in the past where he just went with his choke out and probably just didn't come up the hill uh, having gotten to the front probably you know earlier than ideal um, but it's still got a good shape to it I mean Aldo and Foro he's, he's going to be rising 9 um, the likes of Monali he's going to be rising 10 um, Christmas time so you know these are going to be chasers into the twilight of their career but you know Santini in particular all relatively low mileage. So, you know, we're probably still yet to see some really good days from these boys. Yeah, and we might have some light campaigns at the top end, as, as Dermo kind of alluded to, to make sure they do all get there. It seems like Paul Nichols is going to go straight to the well uh, with top of the game in something like the Labrook, um, uh, where, where he's favourite for it. And, I mean, if you look at what's coming in terms of their, their kind of prep races, Betfair Chase has got the normal ones at the top end. Um, Santini could go there, Dermo, I guess, take on Bristol the Mai. And lost in translation and uh, you'd imagine it'd be pretty deep stuff uh, lost in translation would be the favorite to win that race and um, then you've got the Labrooks where top of the game is probably going to go off short enough and we're not really sure what's going to take on um but the handicappers behind them you'd think and then um you know then when you get to king george well that'll be clander's oboe's main target for the year you would imagine don't think they'll have anything else on their radar and cheltenham hasn't worked out for them for a while so um, you imagine them and it might be quite lightly campaigned so that we do get the race that we want come March. Yeah, it is shaping like that, isn't it? I, I mean, the front few in the market now, um, you know, Indo and all these kind of horses, they're all horses. I mean, Indo had one run, didn't he, last year, Manel Indo, before he went to the RSA. Mm. Album photo, the same before the Gold Cup. Santini had two runs, but they were very intermittent. And the run in the uh, Presbury Cup was just... Uh, desperation nearly because they kind of couldn't get him in anywhere else mm-hmm. um champ he went to a lot of the parties last year but that was more so because his uh he was jumping like a table and i mean after that then like lost in translation he ran a great race in the gold cup considering as well that uh colin tizard as paddy said last week had a brutal challenge so you could mark that effort up as well so yeah there's there's a good lot of horses here that really kind of could be anything um i don't see sam Kerr running in this race i think he will end up in the Ryanair, but again, kind of stranger things have happened. Alaho's another horse who he, he's only getting older and bigger and everything else as well. So you can definitely see why there will be value in this. We're we're potentially staring at a serious Gold Cup. There's there's also people talking about how much they fancy Easy's Land for it, which I find yeah. extraordinary. So this is potentially a very deep Gold Cup. And as you say, the difference between this Gold Cup and other years is that a lot of these horses will be sparingly um, campaigned as opposed to otherwise with the Gold Cup being their kind of main shout, which will probably leave an awful lot of very disappointed connections because only one of them can win. So it's, uh, it is, yeah. it's very interesting, uh, the season as a whole, but I, I just keep coming down. I'm an Elendo team. Yeah, Manila Indo at the current prices you like. I was going to throw a horse into... I mean, we're thinking about horses that can still step into this, likes of, say, a Copperhead, if that was to go well in the in the elaborate Hennessy there. Or um, it, there was a horse that I, I really liked from last year who won at Cheltenham, obviously won the handicap there, was the Conditional. And David Bridgewater always said that he, he thought it was a Gold Cup horse, but, I mean, what can you do when you've got a mark like that and a horse that... You know, can go and can go and win a race at Cheltenham. You go and take it on, and that's going to line up in the Labrooks Trophy. Uh, it's a sixteen to one chance in the minute, sixty six to one for a Gold Cup. Um, I, you know, Bridgie knows what he's doing, and if the conditional is where he thinks that horse is in terms of quality, 
I think it's a decent bet for a Ladbrokes trophy. And then, you know, I wouldn't put anyone off an each way shout at 66 to one or something like that for a gold cup. Cause I'd imagine that's where they're going. And if they could win a Hennessy, um, it would be, it would be, wouldn't be a 66 to one chance in, you know, a gold cup full of class perhaps, but the conditionals come a different route to some of these. So, um, it'd be interesting uh, for me going forward. And uh, that would be my take on it. Um, okay. That's, that's interesting stuff. I, I wanted to talk about the two mile chasers. Um, Altior seems to be, according to connections, uh, back fit, firing and, and bigger and stronger. And they've got the defeat out the way is almost how Nicky Henderson's putting it for, for it to go back to two miles this year. I mean, obviously the likes of Tingle Creek will be on, on, online at currently a four one favorite for that. Um, champion chase Altior against the likes of a Defi de Soya. We have to just draw a line through what happened uh, to Defi at Cheltenham, uh, you know, this time round. And I guess you've got Chacuan Poursois. So that, that division also probably be the same as last year, Dan. Yeah, it definitely will be. And it, it, it was, that was probably the worst champion chase we've had ever last year. I mean, it just completely fell apart. Deffy didn't run his race. And then, you know, you ended up with checking, pulled out in the morning. And as, yeah, much as, Min, apart, right? as much as Min winning the Ryanair was great because he really did deserve his big win. He actually probably would have won the champion chase last year. So yeah. all those years of him kind of chasing home horses, he, he probably would have won it last year. It, it's a, a crazy division. Check in Pursois is definitely the right favourite. It's just he's completely made a glass. Altior, I mean, you're you're reaching Sprinter Sacra's story now. Like, he's, you know, he's 10 going on 11. Um, so to fancy him for this race is, is very, very hard. Uh, put the kettle on. She's very interesting. She was brilliant that Arkel last year, but just how strong that Arkel is, is the big question. But uh, connections are completely right to dream with her and she should be campaigned as a horse for that race. And worse coming to worse, you can always pitch her into the, into the Ryanair or something afterwards if it doesn't work out well. It's a division that I can't make heads or tail of. Um, Defi Desai has completely got age on his side, but he was stinking at, uh, at Cheltenham last year. And it definitely was that Newbury run, which I mentioned last week, which Sport and John, a lot of horses just didn't come out of that that uh, that race day well for Cheltenham. So they should definitely avoid that this year because Defi would have a great chance. But it's a race. It's a, it's a department now to just watch a division that is just going to develop as the season goes on. I mean... Grand Sansi's in there at 25 to 1. I think that just shows how all over the place that this market really is. And it's just going to be one of these divisions now that we're just going to have to watch, sit back and just kind of wait and see whether something can completely come out of left field. But it just wouldn't surprise me if we arrived into Sheldon and the front three in the market is the very same as it is now. Yeah, I, I, can, I can appreciate that. I can see that happening. It's kind of what I was alluding to. I, I really think they need to um, go up a, a few furlongs now with Deffy. Um, and the Ryanair would be the race for me. 16 to 1 for the Ryanair uh, looks at an interesting way. I know they're going to go two miles first. I'm sure they will. But uh, I think the Ryanair is going to be the one that stands out. Altior, uh, um, like 8 to 1 for, for a champion chase, also looks fair game to me because Paddy, if Altior is Altior, he's the best of them. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, like you said, at least he has got that defeat out of the way and um you know it, it could just help the job a little bit to be honest not so much pressure applied on the day with the horse but I say he's very very effective around Cheltenham and you know he's he's uh he's he's the price he should be isn't he yeah 
Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, out of those younger pretenders, the likes of the, the Arco winner put the kettle on. You've got Saki Dadari, who's obviously close up in, in that kind of division. Um, you know, there's Notebook, who, who didn't fire at Cheltenham, but looked very good before that. I guess there are a few younger ones who, who can come through and put up to what I'm arguably calling the big three. Yeah, I mean, Notebook is going to be a massive price this time round, uh, like I say, after that disappointment. But yeah, yeah. the form has got to be confirmed, like Dermot mentioned, we put the kettle on. But, you know, really does fence very well. And, you know, the, the Cheltenham record is very, very good. So, you know, that's certainly one to be excited about as well. Can we, um, you know, if you're going to put your your hand on heart and talk about this addition of a race um, with the mayor's chase coming in, it, it's going to detract but perhaps from, from some of the other stuff uh, going on, isn't it? And at the moment, you've got likes of South Soretta considered for it. Honeysuckle, if it jumps a fence, uh, put the kettle on, could obviously go for it. Um, Benny Dejou would be interesting. Stormy Island now with Paul Nichols. I mean, this is a, this is a new race for Cheltenham, one that we could always see coming, Paddy, but uh, it might just put a little dampener on some of the other contests, perhaps. Yeah, possibly could. Um, but, you know, there's an awful lot of time between now and then. So hopefully it might start to take a little bit more shape. Um, mm. But there is every chance that it could maybe just dilute some of the other stuff ever so slightly. Could do. Um, Dan, are you happy there's a mare's chase now at Cheltenham? Uh, yeah, Dean. I mean, look, the the mares need their their division. I mean, the the mares hurdle has been a huge, huge, huge help to the to the breed themselves, and for it to be a Grade One race, you know, you've got a lot more mares now who are staying in training, uh, which is a plus. But I really don't see the need for a mares chase at the Shetland Festival. I think this this kind of could have been something that could have been at Aintree and Punchestown or um or something similar. I don't know why we had to move the novice chase to the Saturday before Cheltenham when we could have put the mayor's final on that day. Um, it just doesn't make make sense to me. What this will actually mean now is that horses that were were kind of winning races um, at a, a decent level, mayors that were winning kind of decent chases now will be aimed at that because we know the likes of Willie Mullins. If there's a mayor's race, he will target that horse at it. I mean. Benny to do is good enough over fences that she probably should have taken part in something like the Ryanair by now, um, but, mm. but, but she hasn't because they have these races they aim at. You can't blame them, but I think adding this in leads to a problem that what do, do we end up with a mayor's novice chase in a few years time? Um, Eventually, yeah. Yeah, so like you know, like the likes of Shattered Love wouldn't have won that JLT then, and you know you've got loads of kind of if a mayor is good enough she'll she'll win these races or. We should put on these these kind of mayor chase finals. They should happen, but at the likes of a Challenge Festival, we're getting into the territory now where they're they're creating races where we'll have more races created off the back of them, and we'll end up with a five day festival, which will be a disaster really because you just diluting this brilliant product is a problem. And the more that we continue to go down this road, saying that the positives from this is is that we're going to end up with a lot more top novices taking each other on in in those races because if you get beaten early in the season it must be very tempting as an owner knowing that you've got a decent one to just aim for a mark of 138 139 get into that novice handicap chase and you've got a great chance of winning at the Cheltenham festival by taking that away now a lot more trainers um are going to have to dream like put the kettle on they they were entered in both and they all decided that you know what we'll we'll go for the Arkle and possibly the Arkle last season was an easier race to win than that novice's handicap chase 
Uh, you've got some, yeah. some some very good horses to come from that. So this is is good in one sense, but the mare's chase worries me that we're going to end up with a mare's novice chase and we'll end up with just uh, a fifth day, which will probably entail of only mare's races, you know? Yeah, yeah. And anything is possible in the, in the fixture calendar as it comes to Cheltenham as we as we move through uh, years ahead. And you can envision, you know, a Galway-esque seven-day bonanza coming up at some point in the future. I mean, you make a good point. The, the centenary novices that's been removed um supposed to be run now on the Saturday at Sandown. It's not going to have the prestige in it as a Cheltenham winner uh, would have. So some of these horses that, like you say, taken advantage of handicap marks, they've managed to get um, throughout the season, we'll now have to go for the likes of a JLT and an Arco, and that is a good thing. Um, just back on the mares, it looks an obvious opportunity for a horse like Benny DeJute to um, to skip Honeysuckle now and go and take a race that makes a lot of sense. Um, she's 14 to 1 for it, Demo. Yeah, she's 14 to 1 for it, which just seems crazy, but it's also understandable from the uh, trader's point of view that <laughs> it's it's hard enough to know uh, with races that are already formed who's going where without throwing in a <laughs> you know a completely brand new chase. I mean, Salsaretta being favoured, it's just mad. I mean, Honeysuckle is second favourite. I, I think she'll stay over hurdles myself, but that's without any prior knowledge. Put the kettle on, as we just spoke about. She has this option as well, but I think they should dream of it of a champion chase and have this as the kind of the fallback. I mean, if all these mares turn up, this, this looks an absolutely, you know, a proper race, but it's just, it's just not needed at all. But Benny to do as far as a saver goes at 14 to one there with 88 sport, that is, um, that's kind of definitely one that, that you'd be looking at and kind of saying that you kind of throw, throw tenor on because she turns up on the day. She's, she's odds on really. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. But I just hope that this is the plan because the idea of Honeysuckle retaining the mares makes sense around seven to two. And Benny winning this makes sense, you know, double figures. Um, there's a related double if they both go for the races that they should go for. And I'm not their race planners. Um, you, you could be, you could be in a nice spot. Um, fascinating, fascinating interest anyway, in addition. Uh, to the festival is that mayor's chase and we'll see what effect it has on as we go through the season. Uh, final point, I guess that the cross country animals, we do, we've got to mention Tiger Roll because, um, you know, the opportunity was ripped away from, from him, uh, the, you know, the season that's ended there and he didn't get a chance to, to go to Aintree, I guess, just renew uh, rivalry with the Easy's land in the cross country and then Aintree again, providing all as well. And fingers crossed it is, um, you, you mentioned Demo that Easy's lands might even go for a gold cup. You never know. Yeah, there there has been a few conversations about it, but the um, horses like that, and particularly the, uh, the cross-country chase, is hard enough to figure out in a good year without adding in uh, a potential anti-post punt to it, you know. So the uh, the only other anti-post punt team that, that I kind of have had around the senior chase is uh, about a small bit on, on Indo, and then I've had a look further, and I thought Mellon at 20 to 1 for the... Uh, Ryanair was a big enough price considering you can pretty much say barring injury that this horse will end up in that race because um, uh, album photo will be in the Gold Cup the same owner so for 20 to 1 about Mellon for a Ryanair a race has to fall for him eventually at this festival he can't continue to be this unlucky and I just think uh, considering how little there is between him and Sam Crow there's uh, quite a big discrepancy between their prices yeah it is fun getting the crystal ball out 
at, at this time of year. We'll obviously never, ever refer to anything we said on this podcast again because we're probably a million miles uh, out the park. But, um, yeah, it is fascinating. There, there are some of the senior chasers uh, to look forward to this season. And with the season only just getting underway, we'll take a very quick break. When we come back, we will look at the weekend racing um, to come this weekend. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews. Okay, welcome back to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by the friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Dermot Nolan, Paddy Aspel and myself, uh, Dean Ryan. Uh, lads, we're starved of decent jumps racing uh, this weekend. And I think it's down to the fact that there's something going on at Ascot. Uh, soft ground, heavy in places. For what is a stellar card of horses, uh, my God, it's very difficult to solve this time of year, though, when you look at the Champions Day at Ascot. But we could have a go at it, and I think we probably should, in the spirit of the race hour, and uh, and try and find uh, something we like across there. It's a long-distance cup that does kick off the meeting at 120. Uh, Stradivarius, Frankie Dottori, odds on. Uh, Paddy Aspel, will you be taking on the Strad, or will you just be watching this and uh, and hoping that uh, well, this, this wonderful horse uh, gets back to winning ways? Well, I mean, obviously, it's a meeting. He's got a, a fine record. At. He's never been out of the money uh, at Ascot. And he's the highest rated here. He's, he's, he's quite nicely clear off one, two, three. But, you know, there is some young pretenders here. I mean, although Strad is only six, um, you know, search for a song. The filly of Dermot Wells did very good up the curve the last day. And I thought even the horse that finished second of Roger Varian's on the day, Fujiara Prince, was very, very good. And he's a horse who certainly knows his way around Ascot as well. So... Mm. I don't think it will be entirely plain sailing because although maybe the ride was questioned in France on Stradivarius, um, you know, I, I don't think this is certainly a given. I think on the day, I would probably be on the side of Fujiara Prince maybe to, to get revenge on Search for a Song and maybe upset the apple cart and, and, and beaten both, both her and Stradivarius. Yeah, it's, it's a big ask, isn't it, Demo, for Strad to come back out just 13 days after that run? Um, and and go for it. obviously this race would normally be well within Stradivarius's compass, but it's still a fair ask, isn't it? Less than two weeks after the the French run, it was. I mean, but like it has to be remembered that just this season, I mean, he was he was third at Newmarket in the Coronation Cup Stakes to uh, Guy Eight, and then uh, thirteen days later he came out and absolutely obliterated the field in the Ascot Gold Cup. So um, yep. this horse, he's done it before. I mean. The arc was just something I just write off. Obviously, it might have left a mark, but I don't know. We 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 keep, and me included, we keep taking on this horse in these big staying races, and he keeps coming back and winning them. So mm. I've um I've no interest in taking him on. I think Search for a Song is an absolutely lovely horse all today. I think she was brilliant last time. But uh, as far as a betting heat goes, I'll sit back here and I just I'm just absolutely sick to my teeth. Of clicking on Stradivarius, and I have no interest in doing it. Good man, I can understand that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Strad. Uh, I do think, you know, in search for a song, and the other one Paddy mentioned as well, Fujiara Prince, you do have two uh, likely contenders to at least fill the places. And I thought Miranda would go well again for Andrew Balding and Sylvester D'Souza, but, um, you know, seven, not getting any younger. Strad is, uh, is the class act in the field. There's a class act in the following race as well, of course, the, the British champion sprint stakes um, in Dream of Dreams. It's been the revelation this time, Dana. Absolutely brilliant, and um, this is a this is a really decent race altogether. And Dream of Dreams was a horse who always promised to kind of put together 
I run like this and in typical Sir Michael Stout uh, fashion, this horse has just improved as he's got older and that was a superb performance last year and he really did deserve to win that, that big race. Now that race did fall apart but still he came through and won like a very good one. All, uh, the ground won't affect him, the trip won't affect him. I mean, one master again last time, is won, that, won the Prix de la Foray yet again last time in Longchamp, so that's a very decent horse. But the one that I'd be chancing here, who's who's kind of, will, will be coming into this a bit fresher than most, is um, Oxted. That was a really, really smart performance last time in the uh, July Cup Stakes at, uh, at Newmarket. Soft, uh, sceptical, who's obviously the uh, well-known Dennis Hogan horse and I uh, just and the way you saw Golden Horde there back in third as well has won over this trip before of um I uh, obviously on that occasion can can stay further which I think will be important here on on the soft ground and I just think Oxted he's he's a very very good horse um hasn't really faced maybe ground quite like this before Baron his debut but if he does handle it Oxted I think he's he's a bit overpriced but yeah you, you wouldn't put anyone off the front two in the market, but I just think Oxted, for how good a horse that he is, with young Kieran Fallon up on his back, I just think he's got a good chance here at uh, at thirteen to two. Yeah, interesting shout for Oxted. Few good, um, few good murmurs around for that as well. Um, on the social circles, that Oxted, you know, hasn't hasn't run for a while now, and this is obviously a big, big race targeted by Roger Till, Kieran Fallon Jr. on board. Um, the one I liked was Ventura Rebel. I thought that win at the Curra was a due, very due for the three-year-old for Richard Fahey. No jockey booked up for this yet, but around 40 to 1. If you're going to take a chance on something, I wouldn't be um, put off by Ventura Rebels. Got some decent softball behind the likes of our Ali. Um, Paddy, try and make hay with these sprinters, please. Yeah, Ventura Rebel is an interesting one that you mentioned, Derma, because you know he's proven at the track. He won't have mm. trouble with conditions. So he certainly is interesting. Um, I think... The horse of Ed Walkers, the ground is the only question for me with Starman, but and what maybe he might lack for inexperience, I think he, he could make up for inability. Um so far he's answered every question. These are, are you know deeper waters for him again. Um but I think he's got an awful lot of ability, Starman, as long as he copes with these softer conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Starman's around ten to one chance, Tom Marquand is already booked. Uh, for Ed Walker, you can make a case for plenty of those, and and Dream of Dreams really raised the bar a little bit this season. Is going to give them all something to aim at at the top of the market for punters, anyway. Um, but what about onto the Phillies and Mares uh, Champions um, race that comes at two thirty? Um, for me, you probably don't need to look much further than than Magical, but there's a few contenders in here, don't I? Yeah. Magical's the one. She's an absolute superstar. Uh, five to two is actually probably very very fair about her. Uh, wonderful tonight is another horse who's she's just she's really has just kept improving. That was a really good win at Longchamp last time. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce that race, but she was absolutely super all together, and and she saw them all off. Um, she even despite kind of hanging left late on on that occasion, she still she she still did it so so easily. So if she has recovered on time, I think she's very interesting. And there's one. At a bigger price there for Roger Varian at sixteen to one that I would be uh, chancing each way, and that's a gold wand. Um, on the debut, she was second on heavy ground behind a horse that I had a lot of hope for in, uh, in Domino Darling, who has had a very very quiet year this season. But um, gold wand was really fancy that day and handled the ground. I thought quite decent as well on that occasion. So the 
ground won't be any fear for her. Uh, this season, she was, she was good enough to win the uh, illicit race at York. And then last time, just kind of couldn't land a blow at the um, at the curl in the Blanford Stakes. We had a very, very good mare there, or a very good horse there of uh, called Kay and Pepper for uh, for Jessica Harrington. So this horse has got an awful lot of uh, time on side and a 16 to 1 for 1 that I wouldn't be overly scared of the ground and for somebody as shrewd as Roger Varian and Andrea Athene is already jocked up. I just thought the uh, 16 to 1 there about uh, Gold Wand was a very decent price. Okay, Gold Wand for Dermo. Um, Paddy, fancy taking on Magical here or is Magical the one to... to yeah, talk? not really as difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, every time she's turned up at the track... You know, she's not disappointed, to be honest. Um, she's quite nicely clear on ratings. Yeah, difficult to be against her because for me, she's she's ticking every box. She's got plenty of experience in bad ground. Yeah, and and I think a very, very backable price at sort of round about three to one, five to two. Yeah. Wonderful tonight's been well-trained and well-placed by a very shrewd operator and David Minusier. So she's obviously the one to fear. Buick is already jocked up. So, you know, she certainly... We'll put it up to magical, but yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty difficult to be against the mayor. Yeah, okay. Paddy, I'll let you go first on the Queen Elizabeth Second States QE2. Uh, Palace Pier is likely to go off odds on and, and pretty short, but rightly so. I mean, as, as three-year-olds go this year, uh, Palace Pier has been one of the most exciting we've seen. And, and actually, I'd include other years in that. Palace Pier looks pretty special for Frankie and John Gosden. Yeah, absolutely faultless, to be honest, Dino, but I suppose the only box he hasn't ticked as yet is is the ground, uh, but that is the only one. I mean, whopping mm-hmm. rate of of one two six uh, Palace Pier. Not seen him for a couple of months now, but I wouldn't have any issues fitness wise. Um, but yeah, there's a few in here. I suppose you could give little squeaks because Palace Pier has taken such a chunk out of the market. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to go that far down the list to be getting a bit of value. I mean, Circus Maximus. At round about ten to one, obviously the revenant, typical Sir Mark campaign, or or not Sir Mark campaign, but very very, you know, he he's been in some deep water, has the revenant, and he's answered the question every time uh, for his French connections, and mm. he has also showed up pretty well at the track on his only appearance. But yeah, you're not going to get rich back in Palace Pier, but you know, deservedly around four to five at the top of the market. Yeah, I mean, Demo, it, like Paddy says, that it does make you look at each-way options when you've got a horse like Palace Pier and they're taking such a chunk out. Like, so Kamiko is an each-way price around 11 to 2, maybe even a, a bit of 6 to 1 around. Um, there ben Battle's in there, of course, six-year-olds back at 12s for Saib Bin Um it's, it's a big field, but there is a standout horse. What, what way are you looking? Yeah, there's absolutely a standout horse. And a standout horse, really, if he turns up, in the form that he was in for his last few wins, he wins this race. You know, he, he's a superstar. And for an each-way option, you're, you're kind of looking for something just a bit kind of tough that'll keep going. And Circus Maximus is probably that horse just from a decent price and place opportunity. If he does run, um, he'd be the one that I'd be looking at from an each-way point of view. But just to keep it short and snappy, you know, I just don't think that the uh, Palace Pier will be good. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll let you go first on the next race because there is a possibility Aidan O'Brien decides to run Magical in the Champion Stakes. Um, yeah, she won the race there. last year, so, so she probably yeah, will. Um, I mean, they've they've obviously kept their options open. So, like, if she runs in that mayor's race, she obviously absolutely wins it, uh, uh, the Phillies race even. Um, mm. But she will more than likely will end up here and the prices 
has suggested as such. I mean, she's five to two for the for, for the finish, right? So she's a seven to four, fifteen to eight here. Uh, she did last year. She like she brilliant again in the Irish Champion Stakes. She's she's just a superstar. So whichever one of those races she does turn up for, she will be very interesting. But she more than likely will turn up here. That means that um, the the Phillies race you kind of should be taking a price about one of the other horses you you fancy now because there's kind of no reason that that. Uh, she won't run here, but just at the prices uh, and the weights and everything else, she, she has to give a pound to to old pile driver who was um had a brilliant season for a horse that kind of didn't cost all that all that much money. Um, you know, has won on soft ground before. That was a brilliant run in the St. Ledger last time as well. Uh, so as a horse who definitely will be kind of seeing out this to, to his absolute best, he will be one that I would have for an each way play. But if Magical turns up as good as Mishraf is, as good as Lord North is, Magical is just a brilliant, brilliant horse. But for an each way play, I would be saying Pile Driver did. Okay, Paddy. Yeah, Pile Driver's a decent price, isn't he? Um, I mean, he did hang in the St. Ledger which mm. would put you off. But, you know, he's acted around his course in the past. But I think probably off the back of the ledger, you're getting a bit of value about him here around about 10s or 12s. Mm. Um, I mean, a Dave at the top, I mean, he was rated 114 when he was second to Magical in this race last year. So, I mean, the handicapper says that this horse has improved and he won't have any problem with the ground. Tom Marcan gets on well with him as well. He's just a very, very likable horse is a Dave. Always runs his race. There's no excuses for this chap. Um, so he's there with every chance. But I think, you know, I, I'd be looking to, to back something to with a bit of value here. And for me, you'd probably be looking at, at a Dave or, or the one that Dermo mentioned in Pile Driver. Okay, cool. Um, that is the Crypto Champion Stakes. There is a handicap to round off the card. And uh, the one horse I'm definitely going to back wherever it turns up. Uh, this weekend is is Torin Sharma. Now it's entered here and also entered up in Ireland uh, at Leperstown on Friday. So wherever Jessica Harrington uh, sends Torin Sharma twenty five to one for this Balmoral handicap that rounds up uh, Quick Pro Champions Day, um, I'd, I'd be all over that. I think it's been so unlucky this season. Uh, plenty more in the tank, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it wherever it does go. But I've said that a few times about this horse, Dermo, and as you know me, I don't give up easy. <laughs> you most certainly don't. Um, but the yeah, look, this is a, a serious handicap, um, as always. It, it's just full of really, really good horses. Uh, but the one that that I just think that the favourite there is boring as it will sound, he's been really impressive this season. I mean, he shot up for a mark of um, of 89 up to 108 now. And uh, a really, really beautiful horse from um, by Kingman. And he was just brilliant last time. And that was a really good performance at Ascot on soft ground, over seven furlongs. He's just, he's done it all. He's shaped as if going up to the mile, which he's won over a mile anyway, but a mile at Ascot particularly. He's shaped as if that, that, that won't be a problem. And the one horse that I'll be having, or sorry, the one bet that I will definitely be having on the day is on Ray there, the um the favourite there for Jim Crowley and Brian Meehan because Jim Crowley had a bit of a decision to make again here, like he has had all season in these handicaps because if you remember, he was he tore up the uh, Royal Ascot days at Jim Crowley on handicaps like this. And uh, this horse of uh, Brian Meehan's, he's a three-year-old now, I think next season, he'll be a much, much, better horse again he'll be contesting at grade one level so i think to win a handicap like this you have to be a horse like that and i think uh Ryek will be unbelievably hard to stop in the uh, balmore handicap 
Geez, the hardest race of day probably demo, and I've got I'm confident one, you're confident one, and they're different, which is great. Uh, <laughs> Paddy, uh, if you can find the winner of this, and it's not one of our two, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it, it, I suppose it's really interesting with Raik, isn't it? Because obviously he's won around the track, and the thing is, you know, if the other Hamdam horse is declared, he'll keep the weights down for this chap. You know, he's going to have nine stone, and he's getting his three-year-old allowance as well, and. You know, Jim Crowley, like Dermot mentions, he's not got it wrong. I can't remember an occasion when it comes down to having to choose a Hamdan one so far this year where he's got it wrong. And even, you know, there's been a couple of occasions where he's gone for the lesser fancied horse and he's chosen right. So very, very interesting. Um, And he's, he is probably priced up accordingly. I think a horse who deserves to pick up a decent prize is Njord of Jesse Harrington's been very very unlucky this horse in his last few starts i know he has won this season but he's a very very consistent horse and beaten five again last time but running his heart out and finishing fourth but i mean this straight mile at ascot i'd love to see him get a clear passage and not hit traffic and just get a fair run at the job and see where he ends up tom markand is jocked up so connections are obviously pretty keen to run uh, so he could be an interesting one and certainly you'll get a bit of value about him Okay, that's two uh, mentions actually for Jesse runners in there. She does run Njord and not Torin Charman or runs them both. Um, yeah, I got caught out with um, with her before running Njord against Torin Charman. So you know, this is uh, she has some nice horses in a in a hands hit with handicap marks that can still be exploited at the very top end. Um, so I think they're interesting. All right, uh, best bet of the card then. Um, I think you're going to say Rayek in that last race. I will say Rayek in the last race. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say Torin Sharman in that last race. If it doesn't go there, back out on Friday at Leopardstown. <laughs> and uh, Paddy, your best bet of uh, Champions Day at Ascot? Uh, for me, I'd probably take Fujiara Prince in the Long Distance Cup. Very good. Against Stradivarius to kick off uh, the card. Look, lads, it's been a pleasure to chat to you again uh, this week. We'll do it all again uh, next week. We'll have a little look back at what happened on Champions Day and we'll, we'll move the Cheltenham discussion on to another division. So from Dermot Nolan, Paddy Asport and myself, Dean Ryan, you've been listening to The Race Hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Best of luck to all.